Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, Magic's already insured me that we're going to get our our uh, top three pick this year, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> to the Lakers legacy, where unlike what will happen to the Lakers players' body fat percentages this summer, ours as Lakers fans is rising by the day as we anxiously eat away our anxieties and play out our days tankathon simming our lotto fate, waiting for draft lottery D-Day to come. But according to Magic and Luke Walton, it's a done deal, so it doesn't matter. We kept our pick, Paul George is ours, so let's all go to Disneyland and ride the Manahorn with PG. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am once again joined by my co-hosts, Tommy Alexander and Alan Riley. Fellas, how are you guys doing, and what Disneyland ride would you most want to go on with Paul George? Alan, let's start with you. Oh, gosh. I'd want to go on Thunder Mountain Railroad with him. Um, Why? <laughs> because it is really fast, and because I have really fond memories of that ride. I used to have a Disneyland pass for like five years in college. And my friends and I, Tommy included here, uh, used to sit on that ride backwards, which you really shouldn't do because it's super dangerous. And we got yelled at one time. But I want to do that with Paul George. I feel like he would be down. That's the only reason why. Sweet. Tommy, what about you? I would want to go on uh, It's a Small World ride (laughs) with Paul George because that's the slowest ride. And it gives me the most time to wait. Is he already on the Lakers or not? He's obviously already on the Lakers. Oh, okay. Then it gives me the most time to beg him for season tickets and talk basketball strategy <laughs> and also get him, convince him to come on as a as a guest on on, a, on our show here. And I need a lot of time for that. Also, the ride always breaks down, so we'll get even more time and, and I could uh, talk to him about all that stuff. Sweet. Sounds good. What about you? I initially wanted to say Indiana Jones because I thought it would be fun to... I feel like he'd be really into that. And I feel like he'd actually dress up as Indiana Jones. But I think I actually want why would to... He, why would he dress up as Indiana Jones? <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. This is my fantasy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but instead, I think I want to take him to the Aladdin show. I don't know if they shut that down. But I want to see him like watch an actual musical. And then I'm kind of hoping he sings along too. So I feel like that would be kind of fun. So yeah, there we go. So we are about a week or two away from seeing how drastic or non-drastic the future of our franchise changes with the NBA draft lottery selections happening on May 16th. Obviously, it's funny how all this drama, conjecture, and hype could come to a screeching halt the minute we lose our pick, and that's just the simple reality. 
But before we get to that reality, we shall continue rabbit hole conjecturing. And today's episode, we sit with the enemy and get the other side of things by having Hunter Cuffle from the Pacers 8.9 seconds blog to get his thoughts on Pacers fan sentiments regarding Paul George. And also, we try and see whether or not we can sit down and make a deal with him as Palink and Pritchard. So we'll get to my one-on-one interview with him in just a bit. Um, but as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because with each new rating and review we receive, that will shave a dollar off of Big Baller Brands Lonzo Ball's signature shoe, Zoe 2. And given it's about $500, we're only about 350 new ratings and reviews away before we get that down to a reasonable price. But I believe in all of our listeners, so rate and review away. Speaking of which, guys, have you put down a mortgage to buy a pair of Zoe 2s? <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Can we edit some cricket noises in here? Chirp, 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 chirp. No. Fair enough. <laughs> um, speaking of rating interviews, today we're going to have Paul George read the review. And of course, Tommy Alexander, impression ex- extraordinaire, is going to be Paul George. PG-13 in a Lakers uniform. Take it away. This review is called Lake It Up by Joe Borelli. These guys had me from the opening music. So good. Congrats on being... E- Easily, easily, <laughs> one of the most entertaining and relevant Lakers podcasts out there. That's it. Thank you, Joe Borelli. Thank you, Paul George. You sounded just like him, Tommy. And as usual, I ask you, what went into your channeling of Paul George? <laughs> this is going to get old eventually, but <laughs> no, it's not. But uh, this time, I I tried to imagine a guy who just got traded. To the Lakers, and his name is Paul George. You know, you know what, you know what I envisioned was Paul George sitting on "It's a Small World." Ah, right, there you go. Paul George in Indiana Jones costume, <laughs> reading this review. <laughs> it's weird because I gave you, I gave you crap about that, but I actually could see it, and I don't know why. Is it like right? is he in a TV show or like I, I don't know why I could see that. It's, it's so. Weird. I, I just, I just feel like he'd be super into it. I think Alan said the right thing too. Thunder Mountain, he'd probably be super into it. I just feel like we think Paul George is a really chill guy. He sounds pretty lit to me. Exactly. So obviously you can catch us on iTunes as a podcast, almightyballer.com, but also you can catch us on Dash Radio. And today we got Stephen A. Smith, for some reason, to tell us when and where. Hey, what's up, y'all? First of all, I just gotta get something off my chest. I feel like y'all still talking mess about me, still being on ESPN. You try to talk this mess saying I ain't supposed to be there no more. Well, I am, okay? Anyway. Dash Radio. That's where you're going to find these guys at. They awesome. It's on Mondays, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. When you ain't listening to me, you better be listening to them. Mondays, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dash Radio. Back to y'all. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Steve <laughs> Uh, Okay, with that said, enough of this randomness. We're going to turn it over really quickly to my interview with 8.9 seconds, Hunter Cuffle, and we'll see if we can make a Paul George deal. We will see you guys on the other end of that. Say one more time. I said if Magic says you get that, that pick, who is that pick? Who is that top three pick? (laughs) We don't know. We we don't know who the pick is yet, but I was just happy to know that we are are getting a pick. That's, That's good enough for me for now. Okay, so today on the Lakers Legacy, we have Hunter Cuffle? Cuffell? How do I say it, Hunter? Cuffle, you nailed it the first time. Okay, we have Hunter Cuffle from 8.9 Seconds, a Pacers blog on, to kind of just give us the overarching fan sentiment in Indiana as a Pacers fan. So, Hunter, why don't you kind of just intro yourself in and tell us what you do, and also plug your social media sites, plug 8.9 seconds. And also, I know our audience is largely millennial and older, so I don't think you'd have to explain 8.9 seconds. But I do think we have some, I don't know what the next generation is, Gen Z? Gen Z audience people who may not know what 8.9 seconds is. So if you could explain why that is a Pacers blog title. So Hunter, take it away. Sure. Um, well, I, as you said, I am a co-expert for uh, 8.9 Seconds, which is a uh, the fan-sided Pacers blog. Um, so we're among the uh, fan-sided network of blogs 
and I help run the website along with um, the other co-expert, Ben Gibson. Um, You can find the blog network on Twitter at 8.9 seconds. I think it's abbreviated um, 8PTS9SECS. And but you can you know you can search eight points nine seconds and I'm sure you can find it no worries. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at not gatherer. You can follow Ben on Twitter at cowboy on patrol. Um, and you know we as a blog just try and be a pretty exhaustive source of Pacers news analysis. You know and we center it from a, a fan perspective. That's what Fansite is all about. We you know, we don't break news or uh, do things like that. We, we kind of come at it from a, uh, there's a, a bit of sense of proud homerism in mm-hmm. our, in our content. Um, as far as the name of the blog, eight points, nine seconds, it uh, is a reference to Reggie Miller, who is, you know, obviously a famous pacer scoring eight points in nine seconds in a game. And uh, that's, that's about all there is to it. Um, so if you are of whatever, what do we say? Generation Z. Then, yeah. Uh, there's your their intro to a bit of NBA history. All the Generation Zers are like, Reggie Miller, that horrible commentator on <laughs> NBA on TNT? Yes, yeah, exactly. that Reggie Miller. He was an amazing player in the NBA at one point. He used to be good at something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So Hunter, not gatherer. I just got your um, Twitter handle, by the way. <laughs> yes, that is a uh, clever nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I wanted to start out by saying, obviously, you know, in the last week or so, Larry Bird has stepped down. Mm-hmm. and handed over the reins to Kevin Pritchard. So with that being said, could you give me like an overarching view on the pulse of an Indiana Pacers fan right now as the Indiana Pacers were just swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers and Paul George even had his exit interview, but then Kevin Pritchard came to the media and said some positive things about Paul George and his place in the organization moving forward and the fact that it's on Kevin Pritchard now to build a competitive team around Paul George. Now, in, in your opinion, do you think he's saying that to regain leverage? Do, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's partly true, but I guess mm-hmm. let's start with a question on what are your overarching feelings right now? And is the Paul George thing a worry to you at any level? Sure. Yeah. I think um, in terms of where, you know, the fan base is at um, is uh, sort of a wait and see approach, but kind of a cautious optimism. Um, I think that most fans um, have a good feeling about Kevin Pritchard's feel for the organization and and his ability to to build a competitive team. Um, so as far as you know, Larry Bird stepping down, I don't think too many fans are worried necessarily about the future of the Pacers in broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Specifically talking about Paul George. I think there's a little bit more worry creeping in there, just, you know, talking about his, you know, some of his post-game comments and, you know, the, you know, reports from national guys that he's public in the locker room about wanting to play for the Lakers, for instance. (laughs) There's, there's probably a little bit more worry in there, but, you know, I think Pritchard is saying the right things about how, you know, all of their conversations talk about him staying and, and, you know, things of that nature, but really I think most fans are pretty knowledgeable about the fact that we just don't know until the all NBA stuff comes out. And that should be this month to see whether or not Paul George is going to be named to an all NBA position and then is then eligible for the designated veteran extension that really alters the landscape. And so it's difficult to have a, you know, a concrete conversation about a potential extension without knowing that. So I would say that in general, pretty optimistic about the Pacers going forward, maybe slightly less optimistic about Paul George staying, but knowing that it's difficult to have a really specific conversation when we don't, there's so much that we don't know. Sure. So let's work under the assumption that Paul George does not make the all NBA team first, second, or third this past year. And Mm -hmm. now we're only looking at the next year to see, okay, he's got one more chance and one more shot to make this. As a GM, if you're in Kevin Pritchard's shoes, how much are you thinking? And of course, you have to think this way. Obviously, your number one option is to, well, let me see how competitive I can build this team out with Paul George at the crux of it. But also, I'm sure you're also thinking, 
well, he's not going to give me any assurances. And even if he gives me some sort of soft assurance this summer that, yeah, I still want to be a pacer, I also have to make plans for the future because that sentiment of his could change at any moment, especially midway through the season next year when it doesn't look like he's going to make the All-NBA team again. You know, at that point, the Pacers lose their leverage to give him that DPVE. Mm -hmm. And he could literally just walk and leave the Pacers with nothing. In your eyes, I guess, what percentage is the word rebuild kind of in your mind right now? I think it's a pretty high percentage. Mm -hmm. If I were Kevin Pritchard, you, you have to be constantly thinking about avoiding that worst case scenario where he walks and you don't have anything you know, to, to say for it at the end of the day. So obviously, you know, in an ideal world, Paul George stays and, you know, you just, you sign him to the extension that you can still sign him for, you know, as you as the, the home team, you know, even if he doesn't, isn't named to an all NBA team, the Pacers still have a little bit of an advantage in re-signing him. They can offer the fifth year and, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But yeah, assuming that the all NBA is off the table, and if I were in Kevin Pritchard's shoes, you got to do your due diligence and you got to see what the market is out there for Paul George. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that market is since, you know, you'd be trading what would essentially be an expiring contract. And, you know, he would, you know, it's it's difficult, you know, if you the Lakers or the Celtics or, or whoever to, you know, give up a bunch of assets for a Paul George if you don't know for sure that he's, coming back the next year. I think for the Lakers, maybe you have a little bit more assurances because of him growing up in LA and, you know, his relationship with Kobe and things like that. But yeah, I think if you're Kevin Pritchard and you can't give the designated player extension and all of the stuff in the past that has happened and you're staring that in the face, I think that it would be pretty irresponsible to not have contingency after contingency in place for whatever happens exactly especially with what happened to with kevin durant this past summer you know i'm pretty sure that's super salient in everybody's minds and they're like okay Mm -hmm. big superstar and it kind of came out of nowhere where paul george is not really even going to come out of nowhere if he decides to walk you know so that would be on you if you decide to do nothing and he just walks and you know all the signs and there was smoke and everything was pointing to that conclusion most definitely So with that being said, and let's say, yeah, Kevin Pritchard, given his history as well as a sort of asset collector and and a guy who likes to make a lot of moves, I almost think, and not to read too much of the tea leaves here, but it almost seems like if you were to go down the rebuild route, Kevin Pritchard would be just the sort of GM that you'd want in place of Larry Bird, you know? So I guess in this sense, let's say... Kevin Pritchard decides, okay, I have to, I'm, I'm definitely going to see what's out there in the marketplace. And th- this is going to go down a, a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of hypotheticals. Let's say that the Lakers are able to keep their top three pick this year. Mm-hmm. And whether it's number one, number two, number three, if the Lakers offered, and I guess we're going to go into fantasy GM time. Let's do it. You're Kevin Pritchard. I'm, I, I'll say I'm Rob Palinka, AKA Rob Lowe. And <laughs> I literally want to trade you some assets <laughs> to get Paul George. So let's say that I do have the top three pick. Let's say it's not Markel Fultz, but it is number two or number three, either Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson. Yep. If I push that chip into your face and said, hey, Kevin Pritchard, we want Paul George and we're willing to take on that risk of that one last expiring year because we believe that he's going to resign as a Laker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you either Lonzo Ball or Josh Jackson. You can also have Julius Randle, our number 28th pick. And let's start the conversation there. As Kevin Pritchard, is that a starter? Is that a good way to start the conversation in terms of a a Paul George deal? I'd say yes. I think that that is definitely a that's definitely a good place to start the conversation, especially when you know you have the threat of George walking for nothing at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. I think that a combination of either Ball or Jackson, Julius Randle, who I think would actually be a really nice fit next to Miles Turner, yeah, and the twenty eighth pick. I think that you're looking at a pretty good young core there and then you bring back you know you have Lance Stevenson and Glenn Robinson the third thinking about that as a as a kind of core moving forward yeah I think I think that's definitely a good place to start the conversation I think if I'm Kevin Pritchard I'm probably definitely going to push you know just you know as a sort of negotiating due diligence you know maybe look for including like a Larry Nance you know Mm -hmm. sort of thing just you know trying to push for more but I think that yeah a 
that's a good place to start the conversation. If you know, if you're heading into a, a sort of rebuild scenario, that's a pretty good place to start. Plus, you know, next year, you know, that team's not going to win a whole lot of games, I don't think. So then you're t- probably in the 2018 lottery with a pretty good pick. Yeah, I think that's a that's definitely a good place to start the conversation. Exactly. And just to assuage Pacers fans' fears, those who are Paul George loyalists and do not even want to think of the contingency plan of them losing him, I feel like, and kind of like what you've been saying, that if this deal were to be pulled off, the Pacers essentially would be able to almost rebuild as quick as possible on the fly because you already have Miles Turner there as a centerpiece. So you put Julius Randle, a guy who actually fits really well with him because he can playmake at the four spot. And then Miles Turner also covers Julius Randle's deficiencies in terms of he can space the floor and he can also rim protect. And then, like you said, you get Alonzo Ball or a Josh Jackson. You know, the Pacers have a history of always getting these premier wings. And Josh yeah. Josh Jackson could be next in line from Danny Granger to Paul George to Josh Jackson. And like you said, you have the number 18th pick this upcoming year in this draft. And then you get the number 28th pick from the Lakers. And if you get Larry Nance or whatever off the bench, that'd be amazing. But even if you didn't, getting a top five pick in the 2018 draft would be, I think, all of a sudden, in one year, you have a trust the process kind of team already without having to yeah. try very hard, you know? So, yeah, okay, so that's great. I think we can make a deal. So let's let's shake our hands and say deal on that. All right, there we go. Okay, so now let's say the Lakers get the number one pick, and it's Markel Fultz. Mm-hmm. I'm Rob Palinkin. I've done my scouting, and I'm like, uh, you know, if this was the number two or number three pick, I mm-hmm. probably would have offered it. But Markel Fultz, we just see too much potential we see him as a generational type player the likes Mm -hmm. of which we haven't seen since john wall and kyrie irving at the guard spot and i don't think we want to give him to you so can we persuade you in we're going to try our best to hide the fact that we have the number one pick but kevin pritchard the market out there is kind of cold so you don't have very many options you may be looking at us and the boston celtics Mm -hmm. uh so instead of the number one pick markel fultz we'll give you D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, number 28, and whoever else you want from the Nance or Zubats pile. Is that also doable for you? Or does it depend on what the Celtics offer you at that point? Yeah, I think uh, Pritchard's hanging up the phone in that mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah. Um, it's it's so much easier to, to spin like a, a rookie, like a ball or a Jackson, than it is to, you know, spin like a, a D'Angelo Russell or Jordan Clarkson. Because, you know, every... Every new game they play, they become less this like mystery of potential and ambiguity, and they become more D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that scenario, I think even if the market for George doesn't seem you know super super great and seems a little more tepid, I think if I'm Pritchard, I think I can find something better out there, even if it's not a traditional like Boston or Los Angeles, you know, maybe Denver calls, maybe you know another place like that. We can. I think if I'm Pritchard, I could find a better deal than that. I think I'd say no. Would you say, and I actually agree with you, would you say in that case, let's say that's the best deal available for the summer. Mm -hmm. At that point, do you think Pritchard would just pivot and go back to, okay, well, let's try our best to build a competitive team around Paul George. And then, I don't know, I'll risk bringing this into the trade deadline next year. That's a great question. I think that's where it gets tricky is in the next, sort of the, the pivoting or the next step there, because I... If I'm Kevin Pritchard, I don't know exactly what I can do to try and make the team more competitive next year. Mm-hmm. They've got a very weird amount of cap space going into next year. It's not enough for a max slot if they can't move Al Jefferson and Monty Ellis. And, but it's kind of bigger than just making moves at the margins and trying to find somebody for the mid-level exception. They're still under the cap. And they've got about, you know, you know give or take a few million, they've got... a little over 30 million if Al Jefferson and Monte Ellis stay put. Mm-hmm. So if I'm Pritchard, I don't know what I'm going to do to try and make things more competitive, especially because you've got the Jeff Teague free agency complicating things. Right. And who knows what the market for him is going to be, but either you're bringing him back for probably more than he's worth, or you're trying to find another point guard in free agency, which, you know, after the Chris Pauls and Kyle Lowry's, I don't know, where you're going to, where you're going to stand at that point. So it's, it's tricky. And I'm not sure, you know, I don't envy his position if, if a trade, you know, if you're trying to stay really competitive in this upcoming year, 
Yeah, totally. I think at that point, if he does go back to pivoting and saying to the Lakers, yeah, no thanks, I think we're going to try our best to build around Paul George, then obviously the Pacers would have to go entirely different direction and almost have to surrender an asset to get rid of Jefferson and Ellis, right? right. To free up like, I don't know, 19 million or something, whatever they make. And at right. that point, you kind of just have to hope because this free agent market kind of sucks in 2017 that like right. guys like Paul Millsap opt out and you're like, all right, Paul, do you want to come and play with Paul George? And that's enough to entice him, which I actually think it would be. It's just how 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 else are you going to fill out that roster um, right, because you kind of got to pick one big star and then just a, I guess, a solid fringe role player after that. So, yeah, it's definitely exactly. a tough situation. So, given the fact that you probably wouldn't even take a D'Angelo Russell package, and I think it's easier to sell the D'Angelo Russell package if the Lakers didn't even keep their pick. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But in the case where we do keep the pick and we're trying to hide it from you guys, it it just doesn't look good. And as the yeah. other as the other GM as Kevin, I'd be like. No, nah, I'm not doing that because I know for sure you have Markel Fultz waiting in the wings there. You just don't want to give him to us. So it'd be easier to sell that as the Lakers if you're like, well, this is the market. We didn't keep our pick, so this is what we have to offer. Then maybe it would be more amenable. But I think like you said, if it's a case of Palinka kind of just being stingy, Pritchard could probably play that game as well. So um, I guess my last question is, let's say the Lakers don't keep their pick. Is there any way that we could get away with not even giving a D'Angelo Russell up? Oof. So that's a scenario where... The pick, the pick goes to Philly, and then you try and scrounge something together with yep, Clarkson exa- and exactly. Randall. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I think you might might be time to wake up from your dream there. <laughs> That's what I thought. I think what what Lakers fans are hoping is that it's just the market is so dry, so cold. Boston Celtics mm-hmm. don't want to give up anything either, and they don't really want to risk trading for Paul George. And in fact, maybe the Boston Celtics even set their sights on Jimmy Butler instead, and it's just. You're looking at this Lakers offer or just waiting it out or pivoting, like I said. So I think that's what Lakers fans are hoping. But I think to your point, I think at that point, Pritchard would just say, well, if it's left to that, then we're going to just try our best to keep Paul George here and beyond. Do you think that would be the case? Yeah. And, you know, anything's possible. That that very well could be the case. And maybe maybe Boston has Jimmy Butler dreams. I kind of think Paul George would probably fit better than mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler on basically any team because Jimmy has such so many ball dominant tendencies Paul George is a really good shooter he can play off the ball and so I don't necessarily think that any teams would be pursuing Jimmy Butler to the extent that they're ignoring Paul George Mm -hmm. I think you know a Boston or a Denver or a Portland would be looking to get you know whoever they can and I kind of think Paul George is a is easier to fit into a roster than Jimmy Butler Mm -hmm. so I don't see that scenario playing out but hey you know I'm not a GM for a reason anything's possible but uh yeah I would say that go ahead and be optimistic but I don't (laughs) think it's happening no I'm with you there I think at this point it's gonna all be contingent on the Lakers keeping their pick and Mm -hmm. whether or not and I think honestly if the Lakers keep their pick and they're willing to shove that in the face of Pritchard it would be hard for Pritchard to almost say no unless the Celtics have a better offer would you agree yeah I would most definitely agree so I guess what is your, and this is hard to say and speculate, but what is your dream scenario for the Pacers if it's rebuild mode? Is it just literally getting that offer from the Lakers or the Celtics? Do you have like, is there a better package that you can think of from the Celtics end that you've thought of that you're like, well, you know, I'd rather have a Celtics package versus a Lakers package, anything like that? Yeah, I think it's possible to dream up a better thing if Boston decides that they are going to put both Brooklyn picks on the table, which seems pretty unlikely at this point. Mm-hmm. But if say they, you know, say they luck into Fultz and somehow, some way the offer is this number one pick and the 2018 pick, um, that would be pretty tough to say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that seems pretty unlikely at this point. And, you know, Boston has been so ungodly stingy with all of their assets that yes. they seem to value Terry Rozier over Jimmy <laughs> Butler or Paul George. So I don't really see it happening, but I guess I could dream up that scenario. But otherwise I feel like it's going to be, it's going to be the Lakers or it's going to be Boston or, you know, if, you know, if Philadelphia gets the Lakers picks and decides they really want Paul George, they could be a really good suitor as well. But I would say that, yeah, the, the scenario we talked about before with maybe a, a Ball or a Jackson, or if the Lakers want to give up Fultz, that's uh, that's kind of the realistic dream scenario. For sure. Okay, so to end this show and to end our talk, 
I guess, and I, and I don't want you to speak on behalf of all Pacers fans, obviously, but from mm-hmm. from your standpoint and, and vantage point, where do you think Pacers fans are at in terms of have a lot of them accepted this rebuild fate that's coming? Uh, do they see the writing on the wall for the most part? Or are a lot of them still, no, no, we can keep Paul George. He's going to stay. We got to try our best to keep him. Sure. Well, we put a poll out. We tweeted out a poll a few days ago, and you can still go vote on it at our Twitter account. Uh, at eight points nine seconds, um, I'm not sure when this will be posted, but you should still be able to vote on it. Mm-hmm. And we asked, "How do you feel about a rebuild?" And the there were four options. There was like no way in hell, and there was like I love the idea of a rebuild. There was I kind of lukewarmly support the idea of a rebuild, and there was I'm not crazy about the rebuild, but you know, basically Pritchard knows best, and that was the the that final option has about 42% of the vote right now, is it? I wouldn't necessarily agree with a rebuild, but I'll support it. Okay. And so I think that that is probably where most Pacers fans are at. So, like, ideally, yeah, I'd like it if Paul George stuck around, but I get, I kind of see the writing on the wall. I get that you can't have everything you want. And so, you know, if that's the way things are going down, yeah, I'll support the rebuild if it means we'll get back in contention soon enough. Sure. Cool. Seems very realistic and practical. Mm -hmm. Um, Lastly, is there something to be said with Larry Bird also stepping down? And and I don't want you to do too much tea leaf reading here, but, Mm -hmm. you know, some some would say maybe he's stepping down because, you know, he had health complications the last three years and he's not ready for a full scale rebuild. Is there also something to be said about him just stepping down from the situation entirely because it seems tiring one way or another, even if he were to keep Paul George and even if he were to try and build a competitive team around him. And then on the other side of that, let's say Paul George does make an all NBA team. And he's like, okay, I have to give 28 tw- year old Paul George now 200 plus million over the next five years. And looking at the next two years in our salary cap books, I think we're just going to be stuck in purgatory with the same team we had before. And maybe the rebuild is the pervert preferred choice, Paul George or not. Is there something to be said about that? And the DPVE not scaring Larry bird off, but just saying, you know, given our, our cap situation, it's going to take at least two years and I'd have to deal with Paul George constantly asking me, when are we going to get better? When are we going to get better? For sure. For sure. I think there's definitely something to be said between some sort of tension between Larry and Paul George. You know, the thing about playing power forward that came up last year mm-hmm. and um, certain reporters have claimed that Larry has told them that he doesn't really think that George's game vibes with the type of basketball that he thinks can win at the highest level. I think what it boils down to though, and this was kind of brought up um, in Zach Lowe's podcast with Brian Windhorst that Larry kind of just does what Larry wants. And Mm -hmm. he was never really on a long-term deal. It's always kind of been year to year with him and it very well could have been just Larry doesn't feel like it this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he's kind of earned that pedigree with his career and what he's done as a player and an executive and a coach it just he, you know, he is operates on on his own timeline and he kind of does what he wants and he might just not have been feeling it this year. Maybe he'll be back next year, who knows. We'll be I think, you know, he's kind of earned in the Pacers organization, he's kind of earned the right to just be where he pleases when he pleases and that might just be as simple as that. Sure. And you know, it sucks that I mean it doesn't it's it's expected when guys like Stephen A. Smith go out there and say it's because Larry Bird can't handle the pressure, right? I oh mean, sure. Yeah. Go ahead and keep making your three and a half million, Stephen A. <laughs> Just get those checks. Seriously. All right, with that said, you know, it's been great having you give us the Pacers side of things and the perspective that you guys hold going into this very pivotal two thousand seventeen summer and just to know where yeah, your guys' heads are at and where probably Kevin Pritchard's at, because I think at this point it would it wouldn't be very smart not to have all these contingency plans in place and to be, you know, have that foresight in terms of, are we going to trade Paul George? Are we going to be competitive? If the Lakers keep their pick, this is what we're going to do. If they don't keep their pick, this is also what we're going to do. And rest assured that the Lakers fans are like racking their minds over this stuff too. And just hoping that May 16th, we keep our pick. And, you know, from, from my honest opinion, I'm almost hoping that we keep the pick, but it's like number two or number three, because, I do not want to have to think of the scenario where we have to give up Markel Fultz for Paul George because I think if it came down to that, I think Palinka would actually pull that trigger. And if I was a Pacers fan, I'd be very happy to get Markel Fultz, you know? So for me, as a Markel Fultz loyalist and someone who just sees so much potential in his game, 
I would be very, it would be very bittersweet to, to win that number one pick and then be like, Ooh, did we just trade that for Paul George? I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So with that said, thank you again, Hunter, for coming on the Lakers legacy. If you want to plug your social media accounts once again in eight points, nine seconds, please do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, we are at uh, eight points, nine seconds on Twitter. That's eight P T S nine S E C S. Uh, check us out at eight points, nine seconds.com. Um, Thanks again for having me on. You guys are a great podcast. I look forward to listening to you in the future. Thanks, Hunter. We look forward to also having you on in the future when this trade happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. All right. All right, cool. Catch you later. Yep. I said it yesterday. We love him. I mean, uh, yeah, he got dunked on. Everybody does. You know, that's uh, Jeremy's a terrific athlete, but... I told him when he got dunked, and I said, I got, I'll get him back for you. And I did. So, I mean, hey, that's my center. I got his back. All right. So that was our interview with Hunter Cuffel. We want to thank him again for coming on the show. Thought we got some great insight into what's going on in Pacers land, whether we agree with that sentiment or not. Before we get into Tommy and Alan's thoughts, I thought it's ve- it would be very fitting to spin the Tankathon Wheel of Fortune, just to see whether we even have this pick in the first place, because that that entire conversation would be moot if we don't have this pick. Sorry, what, what's our say? record right now? Three and two. Three and okay. two. So here we go. You guys ready? No. Alan, what's? I, I hate it. Great. Stupid crap. <laughs> here we go. Three, two, one. With the number one pick, it goes to the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh! <laughs> It's lit. Okay, number two goes to Phoenix. That's fine. And number three goes to Orlando, bumping Boston out to number four. Oh, my God. I love that. I love this order right now. I hope Philadelphia even further down to number five. So nice. Yeah, exactly. So nice. All right. So with that said, we've kept our pick. We just had that talk with Hunter. It's at number one right now. We're not going to trade it. But Sorry, bro. (laughs) Sorry. But with that said, I guess I wanted to get your guys' quick thoughts on what Hunter said and just the negotiations that went down and just what struck you about the other side of things in terms of what Indiana Pacers fans may be thinking. Alan, I'll start with you. Yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, I agree with a lot of what he said. I did think it was interesting that he would hang up the phone if we don't offer up our pick, if it's a D'Angelo, et cetera, package. Um, I, I suppose what that reveals is Pacers fans are not very high on D'Angelo Russell. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think if if I'm Indiana, I still have to listen to that deal. I'm not just going to hang up immediately if the draft pick is not there. At the same time, I do understand where he's coming from, but I think it could be overreaching a little bit in terms of leverage. So as to what would truly happen, um, I hope that's not how they actually are, of course. So... We'll have to wait and see. Tommy. Uh, so we talk about overall, I, I tend to I, I tend to uh, appreciate his perspective. And I thought it was everything he said would really made a lot of sense. Um, he was actually I was going to say, like, we talk a lot um, about how. So we talk a lot about how, you know, it's not about getting or maybe for the Pacers, it's not about whether any team, including the Lakers, can offer fair, fair value for Paul George. It's about fair market value. And so the disconnect was I always assume that all Pacers fans would be like, oh, well, we would never trade him to the Lakers unless they had the number one. And then we would trade him for like Ingram and the number one and maybe like Clarkson or something, too. You know what I mean? Like, I always assume that's the perspective they would come into this with. And the fact that he was seemed way more like set, like leveled about what exactly they can expect out of this kind of trade. I really, really appreciated that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think. I think overall what he said was fair. I think, yeah, like Alan said, the thing about if we don't have a top three, like either we don't have a top three pick at all or we have the number one, which we don't want to offer, and our package of young players is worse than offering just like the number two in Randall. I, that that part of it I wasn't totally um, sold on, but but yeah, I mean, it's like a rebuilding team and the same thing with us. Like, you know, we always we always talk about how we want to have like the picks and like it, there's something to be said about you having your own pick and making 
that pick and that exactly. being the way you're going um, and that being the guy that you scouted and brought up and et cetera, et cetera. There's something to be said about that, even if not, none of us would trade um, necessarily D'Angelo for the number two pick straight up, like to draft Lonzo Ball. That doesn't mean that, you know, other people wouldn't do that. So overall, I thought it was very fair and I and it was nice to have uh, somebody from from that side come on. Yeah, for sure. And at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really knows what percentages Kevin Pritchard is working with in terms of, is he 50-50, I'm ready to rebuild with Paul George and ready to rebuild, depending on whether or not the Lakers keep their pick? Or is he more 70-30, I'm still 70% willing to rebuild with Paul George. And the only way I kind of shift the other way is if somebody is willing to offer a top three pick in that case it would be the Lakers. So I feel like when he said I'm hanging up the phone, it's not like I'm not even going to take that call, but it's like the conversation starter may always center around a top pick instead of D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle. So at the end of the day, again, it's going to come down to whether we keep our pick. Otherwise all this crap is, is moot and uh, we're talking for nothing, but until we have a definite assurance that we don't have anything to offer, we're going to continue going down this rabbit hole. And at least it's good to know that, Pacers fans are actually very open to the rebuild and they actually do see the benefits in getting a, you know, number two, number three pick and, and Julius Randle and understanding that that's probably the best offer they can get and actually might even be something that they, it would be hard to say no to at this point. All right. So I guess the other last thing I wanted to add, and I think Hunter kind of um, alluded to it a little bit, but one of the reasons why this upcoming all-NBA team announcement is so important, even though we don't think Paul George is going to make first, second, or third team, is that the Pacers can actually extend him, sign him to an extension that's commensurate to the DPE if he makes the all-NBA team this past year, because then he's 100% assured that veteran max exception that allows him, you know, 70 plus million more than any other team. And at that point, the Pacers can sign him to an extension like that. But if if he doesn't make it this year, then it's going to take that 2017-2018 season to see if he makes an all-NBA team again. And at that point, they won't be able to sign that extension next summer. So that's kind of why it's so important. And it's why Kevin Pritchard is going to make some decisions based off of that. But I think at this point, Highly unlikely that Paul George makes it, unfortunately. Um, with that said, we're going to close this show with some Lakers news and things that are happening around Lakers land. And I think the biggest thing right now is, you know, Palinka continuing to clean house. Um, over this past week or so, we heard about Tim DeFrancesca, who used to, he's the training and conditioning coach, I believe, yep. for the Lakers. He got let go or he resigned, actually. Tim. Yeah. Grass-fed Tim. Bobby yeah. Sacre's best friend. They like exactly. bought a cow then, together. They did. I think several players like did that. Chris came in um, or something weird like that. <laughs> Forgot Chris came in was on the Lakers, but yes. Uh, also, they got rid of their analytics guy. I think their analytics guy stepped down because they were kind of giving him a sort of demotion. And I think that's kind of what's happening all throughout the organization right now. So I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on on that and whether you think it's it's a good thing given the new regime and also what do you think that means moving forward? Uh, Tommy, let's start with you. What do I, sorry, could you clarify? What do you mean? What do I, about both of just all the firings or? Maybe we can start with Tim DeFrancesca and whether you think it was a fair move to like get rid of him. And I guess just overarching, like, do you think this is a good move to, to clean house kind of? Um, yeah, I think it's a good move. I think like people always say when a new front office is going to come into the picture, they're going to want to bring their own guys. And uh, like you said, clean house. I don't know what Tim DeFrancesco's or whatever his name is, his, uh, his like qualifications are. It seemed like he was doing a fine job. It seemed like he got along with the players, but again, I think we're entering this new era where it's not just about like, is this guy good? You know what I mean? It's about, is this guy literally the best person we can hire? Because this isn't like a, uh, it's not like a throwaway job. You know what I mean? Where I feel like in the old days, the old days being like five months ago or so, you know, like when we had Mitch and, uh, and Jim still around, we were sort of caught in this old school mentality of like, if something's working, like whatever, just go with it. And, and, And there wasn't this like idea of, no, we should always be pushing ourselves to have literally the best. Tim DeFrancesco's job, there are 30 of those jobs in the entire world to do that job for an NBA team. You know what I mean? So 
you should have the best possible guy. It's not just like, oh, this guy's here. He seems to be doing okay. Like, let's no complaints. Okay, let's go with it. No, I, I kind of appreciate this. Like, wait, let's actually just like take a step back. Let's reassess. Is he literally the best guy we can get? Because I'm sure there's like a million guys who have like tons of, you know, knowledge about all the kinds of stuff that he does and maybe have more impressive resumes who we can go after. Um, and it seems like that's what they're trying to do. Um, so I think it's a good sign. It, 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 the fact that they're thinking about stuff like their analytics guy and their strength and conditioning coach, they're not, it shows that they're not just concerned about like, Oh, do we have the right, do we have the right uh, coach? Do we have the right, um, you know, scouts? Do we have the right other front office people? It it shows that they're literally looking at like the most minute details they can because they understand that this stuff is important and it all contributes to the whole. Yeah, it seems like they're being very deliberate with actual intention behind it instead of just this is not like willy nilly firings. You know what I mean? So, Alan, what about you? Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Um, again, I'm sure T- Tim DeFrancesca did a fine job and. If I'm not mistaken, he also seemed like he was their part-time nutritionist. Like he's the one, you know, we're saying grass-fed Tim. It's because he was such a strong believer in grass-fed literally everything, going to Whole Foods for the players, picking up their meals. And I also believe Rob Palinka said, you know, we're going to hire a nutritionist for this team. And it's like, is that some sort of groundbreaking move that no NBA team has ever done? I feel like every professional team should have a head nutritionist, whereas Tim DeFrancesca seemed like he was wearing two hats in that scenario. So it may be that they are, like Tommy said, looking for literally the best person available in the entire world who is able to fill this job. And if I'm coming into a new organization, of course, I'm going to do my due diligence and look at every facet of that organization, evaluate each person based on what my standards are. And they've clearly done this with the coaching staff and have um, 100% back Luke Walton. I know there were some people saying, oh no, like maybe Luke Walton's going to be out because new management means new everything. It's like, no, they clearly believe Luke is the person they want to build this team around, not even a player. So you can check that box off. But from there, they go down the line. And if he happened to fall short of what it is they're looking for, it doesn't mean he necessarily did a poor job. But again, they want the absolute best. And same thing with the analytics. And I don't know how much uh, clout we want to put in these different surveys that the NBA has done with regards to organizations and their analytics um, you know, departments. But again, if I'm not mistaken, the Lakers have a tendency to be or have had the tendency to be bottom five as far as analytics goes. So that probably didn't help that guy's chances of sticking around here much longer. So I do think it's a good thing. And I think it's very fair. There are some people out there I've seen who are pretty upset. They're like, no, Tim DeFrancesca is a man. And it's like, I, I don't know how you know this just as a person who's watched backstage Lakers. And again, while he is there with the guys in the off season training them and whatnot, you know, we've all seen probably that whiteboard that showed every single player on the team and their body fat percentage. And most of them were well above 10%. Some were even in the teens. And these were our younger players. Mm-hmm. Um, before hearing about Magic saying, you know, I want everyone 7 to 8% body fat, I even thought months ago, dang, 12, 13, 14, 15% for so-and-so, that's kind of high. You know, like, I know people who are not professional athletes for a living who are gym rats, and they're at 10% body fat. So what is that saying? Uh, so yeah, I, I think all those things are linked, and I do think it's fair, and it's a, the right move. Yeah, on that body fat percentage topic, Tommy, I know you had some thoughts on that and even made a parallel to the Miami Heat and what they've been doing. Did you want to chime in? Yeah, so Magic, as everybody knows, was uh, kind of brought up with Pat Riley when he was with the Lakers. And Pat Riley was, of course, before we had better, like, you know, sports, I guess, medicine, science, and we knew about how important, you know, all this stuff was. My impression, obviously I was not there, but my impression is like in the early 80s, guys would go home for the offseason and maybe work out a little bit. But it wasn't like today where guys are you're getting paid so much money. It's literally your job to be in shape. You know, that's like the that's like the bare minimum you can do. Forget about your skills like no one's going to no one's going to bash you if you're not Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, just by natural God gifted talent. But 
your baseline job is to be in shape. And so there's all these stories and how Pat Riley would bring these guys in the training camp and they would all be throwing up and running and running and throwing up and they were so out of shape and like he would like literally whip them into shape. And that's sort of where uh, Byron Scott got his thing. And I don't think we're going to be that extreme. Right. But my point with the Miami heat thing is Pat Riley has sort of taken that culture there and expects peak physical uh, fitness from all of his players and that really helped the Miami Heat this season, as you saw, when teams started to wear down midseason, Miami became like the third best team in the NBA. Um, and I think that's the sort of the, the uh, you know, a change of mindset in how an organization is run that Magic Johnson is trying to bring to the table. It's not just come here and try your best and, you know quote unquote, work hard in practice. No, like show me you're working hard and show me you're taking this job seriously by getting yourself in shape. Um, Because if you can't get yourself in shape, like what are you doing? It's literally, you're a professional athlete. You know what I mean? It's like Alan said, he has friends who aren't even professional athletes who have lower body fat percentages than some of these players, which is completely absurd, you know? And maybe there there will be few exceptions. I know Magic said like seven to 8%, which... I think when you're setting a new goal like this, you always are a little bit extreme. So that's probably too extreme as like for every player. But the general idea, like if you've ever gone to if you went to any games this season and you just look at D'Angelo Russell or like look at Julius Randle has been improving. But you look at these guys on the court and it's like, wow, you guys are 20 years old, professional athletes. And you don't look they don't look like they're that in that 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 greatest shape. Like D'Angelo looks a little bit soft and, you know, so on. So this stuff is all really important and I'm glad that's, you know, it's, it, it, it's just nice to see that somebody cares, you know what I mean? It's not just like, Oh, whatever. That's like, that's not basketball. So we're not going to think about it. No, this is all part of the game now. And if everybody else is doing this and dedicating resources to it, you have to as well, or else you're going to get left behind. Yeah. I, I really like what you said. Sorry, Jonathan, about Byron Scott and kind of how the Showtime Lakers did things where it was just, like 95% cardio, this is how we're going to burn fat. And, you know, I'm sure that um, things and science has evolved since then. We've learned that your physical fitness is not simply determined by how active you are. So much of it is obviously, we think it's obvious now, what you put in your body. That's like 80% of it is your nutrition and what you are eating. So no, this does not mean Magic Johnson is going to run down there on the court and be like, go run suicides for the next hour because that's how we did it. And that's why we were in shape. It's like, no, exactly. Yeah. That sure. Like it's going to happen from time to time, but that is not how you get your body fat percentage down is from cardio. It's from what you eat. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, in a more general sense of things, like it's, it's just good to know that they're assessing everything very carefully and they're not, they're leaving no table unturned. You know what I mean? Like they're going through every part of their departments, um, and making sure that they have the right pieces there, whether or not they keep the same people or hire entirely new people that they kind of handpicked and that they know will carry out the vision that they want to carry forth. Because at the end of the day, this is just kind of like the natural progression of what happens when a new regime comes in at the top. It would not make sense for them to just keep everything status quo when they have such grand schemes of how to change this franchise, you know? So I think it is a good thing to see them. I'd actually be more worried if everything just stayed the same, you know? So I think that's where we're all at. And yeah, I think it's a good thing. So with that said, I think we'll close out our show with one last topic. And I don't know how how seriously we'll delve into it, but uh, Chad Ford, you know, came out and said that the Lakers are, are, and this is a lot of speculation on Chad Ford's part, as it usually is with Chad Ford, and he said, the Lakers are so enamored with Lonzo Ball, big baller brand Lonzo Ball, that if the Lakers kept the number one pick, they would pick Lonzo over Fultz. And obviously, once again, we don't even have our pick, so it's, it's pointless to conjecture too much, but once again, if we have, in this hypothetical, we have the number one pick, Tommy, how would you feel, and do you believe... Chad Ford that we would pick Lonzo Ball over Markel Fultz. I literally do not believe him at all <laughs> for multiple reasons, right? Not just like, I mean, the most obvious one being he's been horribly wrong so many times in the past when it comes to stuff like this. But beyond that, it's just like, I, I have no doubts that the Lakers, if to the extent I, and again, how would any of this be like public knowledge? How would any of this be like leaked? Like, 
are you telling me through all of the stuff that's been going on in our front office for the past few months and like trying to and then on top of that, trying to figure out, are we going to keep our pick? Who's going to keep their jobs? You know, like stuff like that. Somehow Ryan West was it got on the phone with Chad Ford and like gave him all this information. Like I'm obviously very, very skeptical about that. So I think that it's not unreasonable that the Lakers would be interest, very, very interested in Lonzo ball. I think he could be a really, he's a really interesting player. He has a lot of upside. He, a lot of potential. There's no universe where you take Lonzo ball over Markel Fultz because Markel Fultz is like a once in a generation type of player. Go look at video of him. Go look at, uh, you know, his measurements. He's not, just like uh oh he's like a six four point guard who can score he does everything and he's he's just like an incredible player so if you have number one you have to go markel fultz if the lakers for some reason did go lonzo ball i'm assuming something was horribly wrong with Lon- or markel fultz like injury wise that was not revealed until workouts yeah and only one of them has 200 dollars slippers though so there you go alan true, what about you true yeah yeah i agree with that and i mean as far as markel fultz goes the reason he hasn't gotten the hype, and we've talked about this before, is because he was on a terrible team that was never on national television. He was exclusively on the Pac-12 network playing you know, against Washington State and other teams that nobody, quite frankly, cares about watching. So when Lonzo Ball is on CBS every Saturday morning and the ESPN like primetime game Saturday night, of course there's going to be all the hype surrounding. So I'm sure there are some fans who are like, what do you mean you wouldn't take Lonzo Ball first? He's so much better than Markel Fultz. Again, like we all said, we would strongly advise you to watch some Markel yes. Fultz YouTube videos. They're not very hard to find, and it can give you a very objective view as into who he is as a player. Um, so going back to Chad Ford, yeah, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> and if, if anybody remembers, Chad Ford is the same guy last year who maybe like five minutes before the draft tweeted out the Lakers are picking Jaleel Okafor at number two two years ago, and we still ended up picking D'Angelo. So that tells you as much about Chad Ford. And at the end of the day, I think this guy is just doing what we do most of the time and just reading tea leaves and saying, oh, Lonzo Ball's from UCLA. He's been talked about in L.A. the entire year. That's all we hear about. Well, of course, it's all we hear about. He's just like right down the road, you know, in West L.A. Like <laughs> he's just putting things together. Chad, Sorry, Chad Ford's like, oh, I just heard that Magic Johnson was at a couple of UCLA games. He's enamored with Lonzo. It's like, oh, guess what? One of those was against University of Washington. It just so happens Markel Fultz was hurt that day. So pretty sure he wanted to watch both of them. So that's probably what he's reading into. It's like a ton of smoke, yeah, essentially. And I think when it comes to Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball, and this is not to say Lonzo Ball is not a great prospect, he is clearly probably the number two pick. But I go back to one of these guys can shoot off the dribble and the other can't. Seems important in basketball to be able to do that. (laughs) Totally. Um, With that said, I think that'll do it for our show. I guess, okay, There's this is one funny topic that we'll end on, but... You know, everybody's talking about how Luke Walton did that interview. I don't even know where he did that interview, but, you know, Luke Walton pretty much said, you know, Magic Johnson assured me that we're keeping the pick. And I don't know if you know this, but a bunch of people on Twitter, and a lot of them are Sixers fans, it's just hilarious, were like, dude, can someone investigate this? The Lakers are tampering. Some some people were tweeting Mark Cuban, hey, Mark, is this allowed? I don't think owners can do this. You got to call Silver and call him up and say, this is some, you know sneaky conspiracy crap going on because Luke Walton said that Magic said that they're going to keep their pick. (laughs) So I want to get your thoughts on that. Alan, what do you think about that? I actually didn't hear the quote. I was pretty disconnected today from the World Wide Web. So is that all Luke said was Magic told me we're keeping the pick? Yeah, but I guess he said it so seriously that people thought that he actually meant it. It's just like his tone, though, you know what I mean? (laughs) So he was like... Yeah, so I was talking to Magic, and he said, we're keeping the pick, so I guess I got nothing to worry about. Pick is ours, nothing to worry about, I'm happy. Yep, and a bunch of Sixers fans and people on Twitter are like, oh my gosh, they know they got the pick, Silver's got this rig, blah, 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 blah. Wow, stupid. Which is hysterically ironic, because last year, if you remember, Dikembe Mutombo came out on Twitter like an hour before the lotto selections came out and said, congratulations, Sixers, on the number one pick. And then he deleted that tweet shortly after. So He was too lit. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that said, we hope Luke Walton is 
right regardless, and we hope Magic's good vibes uh, hold true. And so far, we are four and two, uh, keeping the pick using the Tankathon spin on this ep- on this show. So that's always a good thing. With that said, thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is a percentage of body fat less. We will tack off each of the Lakers players this summer, and that's a good thing because we want to get them from 15 to 7 and 8% body fat. So please rate and review us because we got some work to do. Also, you can find us on Dash Radio. Stephen A. Smith, tell us when and where. I have no idea why you're on the show. Well, you know, a dear, dear friend of mine once told me to listen to the Lakers legacy on Dash Radio. And because he is a dear, dear friend of mine, I just got to say, these guys are dope. They know what they're talking about. Dash Radio, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. You better do it. (laughs) Great. Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. All right. With that said, we will catch you guys later. Alan, peace. God bless. (laughs) Tommy. Later. All right. Peace out. This is what Flo from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.